Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is IronRadio.org. I'm Robert Fortress Fortney, sorry, uh, former editor at Muscle Mag International, uh, former competitive bodybuilder, and current strength trainer. And good afternoon, everybody. This is Charles Staley. We're happy to have you today. Uh, I am author of Muscle Logic, uh, creator of Escalating Density Training, and I'm also a master's level uh, competitive weightlifter. And uh, over to you, Phil. Yeah, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, competitive power lifter, and founder of liftforhope.org. Well, that was simple and quick and painless. Yeah. And uh, Hey, we've got such a cool show today because we're chatting with Jim Wendler, who is author of the 531 Manual. And uh, Jim, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I appreciate it. It gets me a little bit out of work. Believe me, I'm happy. What, the, so. It could be worse. So, uh, yep. Hey, Jim, I, I, know, I know a lot of people know that you are a competitive powerlifter or a former competitive powerlifter, and, and a lot of people associate you with uh, Dave Tate and uh, Elite Fitness. What is your relationship with both of those, just so that people have a, a context here? Uh, I started working with Dave kind of informally, uh, I want to say around 2001, 2002, when I was at the University of Kentucky uh, working there, and uh, you know, him and I had hit it off probably with him. 10 seconds, and uh, became good friends, and, and uh, in 2003, I was hired as a kind of the first full-time employee at Elite Fitness Systems, and uh, so I've been here ever since. I've been working with Dave ever since. Um, Very good. So, it's, you know, I don't know how long that is, but yeah, I've, I've been friends with Dave for hell, almost 10 years now. Um, I, probably like a lot of people, you know, I started off as a huge fan, and yeah, you know, uh, you know, from the old deep squatter days. So it was really it's it's been a awesome awesome job to have. It's been a it's obviously cool to be working with Dave and for Dave. He's a great boss, tremendous person, and just a, it's a good good guy to be with. Just put it that way. It's funny I, I don't get the I don't get the chance to talk to Dave too much, but uh, uh, I've always been phenomenally impressed. And, and he's a first-class guy. And uh, when you read Dave's writings or if you see his videos around the, the web, it, he, he sometimes comes across as this kind of coarse, rough-around-the-edges kind of guy. But the, the truth of the matter is he, he, he really uh, has a heart of gold and, and really has all the time for anybody who, who wants it. And uh, he's, uh, he's a, he's a top-shelf kind of guy, so I, I agree with you. You're, uh, you're lucky to be working with him. So. Very, um, very lucky. Go ahead. So just so that people have a little sense of your credentials, um, give us, would, would you give us uh, your, your, your best competitive lifts and your best competitive total just so that people have an idea? Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's ironic that I'm known for powerlifting uh, more than I am for anything else when I probably spent less time doing that. Uh, but uh, I started lifting, our powerlifts, competitive powerlifting, I think in, 2001 was my first meet, and uh, eventually, you know, I competed all the time in the 275 weight class. I squatted 1,000, uh, bench 675, and pulled 700, and 20, I did that all in the same meet, actually. I had all my best lifts in the same meet, wow. and that, that adds up to 2375. That was in 2005, I believe, and that uh, that was my last meet. Um, I, I I grew up uh, loving strength training. I mean, loving it, like, uh, obsessive uh, since I've been a little kid. That's all I've ever wanted to do. So 
you know, I read about, you know, Fred Hatfield squatting a thousand, you know, probably since I've been you know, 11 years old, 12 years old. That's all I've ever wanted to do. So when I got, when I did that, that's kind of, I knew I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. Um, but prior to that, I had played football for, you know, since I've been uh, in junior high, I guess, uh, since I've been about 12 years old. And played all the way up to, uh, I played football at the University of Arizona and uh, did okay for whatever talent I have. Yeah. That way. I maximized whatever I had, which was not a lot. Hmm. Um, so, but I've been, I probably, you know, during that time, lifting weights was probably more important than playing football. Man. I think not, a I lot of a, a lot of lifters come out of environments and out of situations like that. I think. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get too far, uh, Jim, tell people where people can find the five three one manual online. I mean, obviously you could just Google it, and that's easy enough. But but what what's the web address we need? The uh, web address is elite fts, and that's franktomsam dot com. Um, and we have a hard copy available, and we have an ebook available. Ah, very cool. Well, I've got one of those right in front of me, and I just think it's such a slick system. And um, how, what, what, give people a sense of what, you know, I mean, God knows how many freaking training programs are out there. So what, what made you think you had a unique idea to, 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 to be worth your time to create a manual and, and kind of like what was the origin of this? The, the, the origin of it all came, you know, after I had done, got done powerlifting, I was about 280 or so, 285, and I really just wanted to be, I feel like I was back in shape again and, you know, that whole spiel. So I dropped a ton of weight. And then uh, what what kind of happened was I, I wanted a real simple program that I could do and that would have a, a more uh, more of a focus on long-term results. And so I created this. You know, it took me probably about three years to even get what you see in front of you, kind of like the, the polished version down. Um, but what I noticed is when I backed off a little bit and I just focused on the big lifts and kind of pushed myself sometimes, sometimes didn't, stuff like that, what I noticed was within like three months I was hitting PRs that I hadn't done when I was 275, but now I was running and, and uh, doing all this you know, crazy conditioning stuff. And you know, within three months, here I am deadlifting more than I did when I was 275, and now I'm in good shape. And I was like, you know, holy shit, something's working here. Huh. So what I started so doing was... Go ahead. Jim, I'm sorry. Is, is the idea here kind of that this is kind of a program that kind of uh, kind of marries uh, you know two different goals, which is to be strong, but also to have decent body composition and decent overall conditioning. I mean, is that the concept here? Well, the program itself does not, because you could overeat, you could do everything else you want within sure. this program. Um, but what I am starting to do now is I'm starting to write how you can combine this training program with whatever goal you'd want, whether that be powerlifting, whether that be conditioning, whether that be MMA, you know, like the super conditioning shit that you see people doing, stuff yeah. like that. The program, the lifting itself can be, and it doesn't matter really what weightlifting program you're talking about. It, it can lend itself within reason to any goal that you have. It's just amount of uh, what kind of emphasis is placed on it within your programming parameters. Yep. So if, you, if, if you're looking at uh, our total program isn't just about the lifting itself. It's about the diet. It's about the conditioning. It's about the assistance sure. work, the stuff like that. It's you know, about the intensities, yep. i.e., the percentages that you use and stuff like that. So. Sure. 
for, well, for my know. personal experience, that's how it started off. But when I realized, when I started experimenting with other people that, you know, given, you know, put in the right context, it can be used for just about anything. Again, this is nothing magical about this training program itself. It's just, it's easy, it's easy to manipulate the numbers in the program. Hey, hey, tell, tell Dave to grab the phone there. All right. Yeah, man, this you know, welcome, welcome to EFS, man. It's been, uh, we probably, the, the the phone calls will die down now. It's 2 o'clock on uh, Friday, but man, the mornings, Jesus, not good. No, no worries at all. All right, so so can you give us a sense? Just give us kind of a thumbnail sketch here. What you know? What does the weekly split look like? Look like how many days a week? What do you do on day one? What do you do on day two? Is that the best way to start approaching this here? Just give people a sense. Well, I'll uh, you, you can mod, you know, modify it for you know. I've had people do it two days a week, three days a week, four days a week. Uh, but what I did was when I wrote this the book, I I ended up really tying together some of the philosophies, and I think that's what's the most important. Um, and the, the basic philosophies are you want to start too light, so you want to back off a little bit than what you do, than, than what you can currently do. So I always tell people to start about 90% of their max. So, for example, if you bench press, you know, 200 pounds, 90% would be 180, and you'd base all your numbers on 180. Okay. okay. That's the first philosophy is start too light. What I've noticed is if you start too light, you can – you can drag out the, the the eventual plateau for a longer period of time. No doubt. The, the next thing would be uh, to progress slow. Instead of making huge jumps, huge jumps, and then all of a sudden you stall out in a month or, or you know six weeks. If you progress slowly, you can again overcome and prolong the plateau that you're eventually going to reach. Uh, so you end up getting stronger in the long run. Number three would be uh, use multi big exercises, you know, nothing that we're not, uh, we haven't all heard or preached before. Sure. And those, you know, just looking at it, I, I use the bench squat, deadlift, and overhead press. And I also use the, the power clean. Some people don't like to include it. I do. Um, but I can, it's really not a big deal to me whether or not you want to use it. Sure. And uh, the last thing would be uh, to track and set personal records. And that doesn't happen every time. What it does, it gives you immediate feedback. It helps you challenge yourself um, and stuff like that. So um, rather than, so you can kind of see progress within the first week, uh, and then certainly if you stick with it for you know three or four months, you know I've had some ridiculous uh, uh, people. No, people send me some ridiculous results uh, just by doing the very basics, and it's amazing what happens to people when they. Uh, when they follow the program to a T. I'm going to tell you right now, Charles, there's nothing, and I'm sure you know this, there's nothing magical about the program. But what it does is it gives people a, what I'm going to do set for set. For example, if I wrote a training program, Charles, and I said, we were, we're going to squat and we're going to do three sets of five reps. Well, what the fuck does that mean? Sorry, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Does that mean three sets of five at percentage is the same weight? Is the same, you know, what? What this does just helps you give you a set-by-set -set analysis and allows you to progress from step one to step two to step three, you know, for months and months on end. I really like particularly the concept of starting too light, and I think that's something that people uh, really overlook. And, and my sense of what you're telling me about this program so far is that you're really instituting a sense of maturity and a sense yes. of delayed gratification which is what you really need to do. I mean, the, the, the very word program implies 
delayed gratification. I mean, you don't, you know, it's like a, it's like a scholastic program. Like, you know, the, the results kind of pile up toward the end. And if you start too close to your max, you know, I mean, adaptations take time to realize. And so <laughs> if you start too close to your max, you know, you're, you're 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 trying to you're trying to add load on the next session when the adaptation has not even had time to to take place. So I think it's in a way, if I could use an analogy, it's almost like giving yourself a running start. Uh, yes. uh, and 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 I think I think it's something that a lot of lifters, a lot of experienced lifters know. But I think this might be the first time I've actually seen in print somebody say start too light. And I think that's that's pretty smart. The uh... <clears throat> the funny thing is I once read an article when I was about 15 years old or so that stress starting too light. Hmm. And it, it has stuck with me ever since. And I didn't always follow it because I have an ego just like anyone else. Um, but it, that principle has always had in my mind. And I finally, when I started realizing what I was doing, I was like, holy shit, this guy was right. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what people fail to when people are kind of young and impatient and uh, you know you know they look at start too light and what they what they're not realizing is th there will be time to go heavy you're not you're not finishing too light you're starting too yeah. light and and we talk about you know the delayed gratification and the, the only way that I think this program can get around it is by pushing that last set to uh, you know I always say sort of one rep to failure uh, one you know one rep uh, before failure um, so you you still can push pretty hard. You can still you know set some records. You can still get some gratification that day. Um, yep. But what I always say is you kind of make a, make a great analogy about you know taking a running start. It's like we got smashed with snow, and you know if you got to plow through half the snow in your in your car or your truck, it's best to get a good running you know press the accelerator <laughs> down before you, you smash into it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Another way I like when people start at their max, you know at their they start basing everything off their, their actual max. What happens is it's, it's kind of like driving a car and, and just pressing down the accelerator in the red the whole time. And yes. You're going to burn out no matter what you're going to do. Yes. And, well, what, what I, I always remind my students and athletes is that, you know, a peak by definition is surrounded by two valleys. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a peak. So yeah. uh, you've you got to have valleys in there somewhere. You can't just be running on peak all the time. It doesn't work no. that way. Well, you know, uh, average people, you know, they're they're good all the time because they suck all the time. Yeah, it's easy to suck all the time. So that's yeah. why, yeah, exactly. So, all right, so look, I want to get into the meat and potatoes here. Um, my understanding yes. on the program is that you're going to train three to four days a week, and, and it's I like the, the flexibility and the frequency there. Uh, one day is, is kind of focused on military press. Another day is a parallel squat. The other day... Uh, 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 the, the third day would be deadlift. The fourth would be bench press, assuming that you're uh, going uh, four days a week. And yes. the cycle lasts four weeks. And so what's three? What's five, three, one? Uh, flesh that out for us. The uh, Well, the, the first week is, you know, the first week you do three sets of five. The second mm -hmm. week you do three sets of three. The third week you do like a typical pyramid that you've seen a million times. One, yeah. one set of five, one set of three, and then one set of one. In the fourth week, we have a program deload that everyone seems not to want to do until they do about two or three cycles and they realize, shit, I should have taken a deload. And that's pretty much the basis of the program. There's percentages for each set okay. of, of, each, of each lift. So, yeah, it's just now, so, so Now, the next question everybody's going to have is that, that what is 
what's the difference between the three sets of five on week one versus week four? It's, it's got to be less weight, right? Yeah. What happens is like on the, the three sets of five week, you would do, uh, you know, 65 for five, 75 for five, and 85 for five. On the okay. fourth week, which is a deload week, you do three sets of five, but I think it's uh, – and you can – you can kind of play around, but I just usually say 40, 50, and 60%. Okay, so, um, and I'm sorry if that it, that kind of escaped me, so it's going to be escaping people who just, who are listening okay. too. On, on week one, you're doing three sets of five. Each set is with a different weight with ascending weights or the same weight for all all three sets? No, well, you do one set of five at 65%. And then I got one you. Set of, one set of five at 75 and one set of five at 85 and that's and that 85 percent of this very conservative max, correct? Yes. If we call gotcha. that max your training max. Gotcha. And that after and after you complete your cycle, let's just say if a guy benches two hundred pounds, uh he starts off with a training max of one eighty. And, and then the next he's gonna do yep. next week gotcha. uh he'll bump up his training max and I always say for lower for upper body lifts no more than five pounds. So his new train match would be 185, and then you just base the percentages on that. I understand. Um, yep, so. Okay. And then on week, on week two, um, you're doing three sets of three, but is it the same kind of scenario where you're using ascending percentages on each of the three sets? Yeah, you would do uh, gotcha. 70, you know, 70 for three, 80 for three, and then 90 for three. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So totally makes sense. So most mostly what you're doing is pyramids and uh, of one yeah. or another? All right, yes. and then um, so then that, I think that should give people a pretty good sense of what the first week looks like, and then yes. um, then you start back with three sets of five, and then how how much are the loads increased from week one to week four, for example? I mean week well, five, week you know the second four week cycle. So what what you do now is the percentages stay the same. The only thing yep. that changes now is your training max. So again, let's we'll use the two hundred pound bench presser for example. He will. Yep. Uh, base his max on 180 the first four weeks, then he'll bump it up to 185, and then obviously the percentages will change. Uh, a little, you know, the, the percentages will stay the same. I'm sorry, but the weights associated with each percentage will go up a little gotcha. bit. Now, what I'm kind of cracking up here, and, and I, I just guarantee that so many people listening to this are like going to want to be doing this program now. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just that there's such a nice symmetry to the math, or if it's just that. Um, you know, I think there's something very seductive about having an absolute exact plan to do. Uh, and I think, part, you know, sometimes people say, well, that's a lazy way out. Why do you need to be spoon-fed? But I think it holds you to a standard, and it, it gives you something you can trust when you might not trust your own instincts. And uh, I, I don't know. Have you, have you given thought to that, Jim? I, I, I just know that you're – you're going to have a bunch of people going to uh, Elite FTS uh, looking for this book as well. They should. I think it's a great program. The the interesting thing is uh, they call it audio auto regulatory training. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, yep. And I wrote a little bit about this in an article, and I said in theory it works really well. Um, but the problem is the people that um, should be using it are usually too crazy to actually follow it. Yeah, yeah, they're already fairly strong, but they're already halfway fucking nuts. Yeah, um, yeah. The people you know that what, really you know, are, I gotta, yeah, I gotta say too, if if you're listening to this right now, you know, and if you're kind of a little bit of a laid back type B personality uh, kind of person who needs to be pushed a little bit, I think 
you know, there's two general ways to train, Jim, and I'm, I'm sure that this will, I, I've never heard anybody put it this way, but either you're training on a program or you're just kind of training without a program. And, okay. you know, the problem sometimes without having a program is, is that you don't have a fire under your butt. And when, when you're, the, the, the value, I, I just came off of a six-week squat program. And what I find is I work a lot harder on a program than when I'm not on a program and I'm just kind of working, even if I think I'm working heavy, um, you know, it's going to bring the best out of you. And uh, that, that's true of any rational program. And so if you're out here listening to this and you're just kind of training and, okay, you have your weekly split where I do this on Mondays and I do that on Wednesdays and I do this on Fridays, and if you have your set rep protocols you like and you're just doing that and it seems like it's working well, if you have not been on a program per se, I really urge you to, to do that because you're, you're going to be working harder. Yes. I think the, the, the reason why this program has kind of taken off was it's – it's really giving people just a, a good sense of direction. And I think that's so many times people they go in the weight room with a, with every good with a good intention, but they don't really know where they're going. Yeah. This this kind of gives you a good map to get there. Well, I yeah, think you know, like you were talking about auto regulatory training. I think people don't realize the years that need to be put in before you can even attempt that. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm talking it, it's funny cuz you know, Dave and I were talking about a lot of this stuff and it's, and I have mentioned this in a lot of different interviews. It's, you know, I look at this whole world of strength as not being an eight-week process or a 12-week process or a four weeks. It's a lifelong 20 years into it. And yeah. I think if people take that approach, they would be able to back off a little bit and see the bigger picture a little bit and understand, you know, how many times have you had a kid come up to you and like, dude, I benched 225, but my coach really wants me to bench 300 this summer. Like, dude, it's 75 pounds, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, it's, you know, and so I did something. Uh, Dave and I did an interview with Nate Green. And I said, you know, we fuck eight weeks to a better body. How about twenty-four months? Yeah, bunch of it like that because yeah. you know you've got a lot of years of, of yeah. shitty eating and shitty habits to get rid of. Yeah. And if, if you take that approach, you're gonna you're gonna get it. If you take an eight-week approach, you know, yeah, you may have dieted for eight weeks, but you didn't learn a goddamn thing. Sure. And by the way, that's a perfect segue for just one other point I wanted to make, which is that if you – anybody who's out there who's looked at as an expert, and Jim, you're one of those people, and I guess I'm one of those people, but all of us people who are viewed as experts who have created our own programs, the way we got there is by doing other people's programs yeah. <laughs> because that's how you learn about the types of things and concepts that work and the types of things that don't work. So – if you're in if you're in that kind of category of people who you, you kind of need some direction, I mean, this is how you kind of educate educate yourself on uh, on learning how to do this. That's that's not my dog, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I would totally agree with that because you, you've got to have it's it's like learning how to it's like writing a book. You know, you've got to read a whole bunch of books before you write anything down. And uh, I would totally agree with you. You got to have some. You know, you've got to know. And experiment a little bit to find out where you know where your heart is and where your mind is, and then once you get there, it may take you 10, 15 years, may take you 20 years, and then you can develop your own program. The problem is there's a lot of people out there who have been trained for 10, 20 years, and they still don't have a good idea of, of what they're doing, and they probably have all the tools, but they don't trust themselves enough, or they haven't learned enough, they haven't internalized it enough. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. I think we should get into the questions because my understanding is we've got more questions than we're going to even be able to get to in the yeah, period of time too. that we have remaining. So I think any of the other things we want to bring out, are, they're probably going to come up on the questions. So, uh, I, Phil, I know you have some. Rob, I know you have some. Phil, let's start. Let's start. Um, let's get the let's juicy Rob, ones right off the bat. He has like five, and I got like thirty. So okay. So you Phil, know what? I actually have one really that I want to use for today. So good. Uh, this, this, is, this, is a, this is a question from Brent from Ottawa, Ontario. Um, my question, are there any special considerations a skinny fat person needs to make when bulking? He's 26, 5'10", um, started a skinny fat 160, and he now weighs 174. He doesn't have any body image issues, um, but I can see that much of the weight I have gained has gone to my stomach. So he's 26 years old. He's 174. So any special considerations a skinny, fat person needs to make one bulking? Uh, I would, you know, the the thing I would tell him is is, is make a little bit of a longer-term goal uh, to get, you know, bulky or whatever. But he needs, if he's skinny, fat, I, I guess that just means he's got a gut at 170 pounds. Um, I would obviously continue with the weight training, keep the volume fairly high. He's got to add in some kind of, uh, whether it be you know high intensity cardio or just regular cardio. I don't think it really matters that much in his case. He just needs to do something, but he needs to do more than just lift weights. He needs to add something else in, and obviously he needs to get his diet dialed in. It doesn't have to be a perfect diet by any means. Uh, you know, just increase his protein intake a little bit. Obviously, um, you know, cut back on the, the, the shitty foods, or at least don't eat as many, much of them. Um, but as far as the program, the program itself can stay the same. I would probably use a little bit of a higher volume on the assistance work. Um, I have a, a program called, uh, assistance program called Boring But Big that people have seen but loved and embraced. Uh, it will definitely put a lot of mass on you and obviously get you in pretty good condition too. But he needs to add in some kind of um, conditioning into his, uh, into his program. Now, if he's, if he's strictly going for size and strength, his conditioning program has to be such that it does not take away from his work in the weight room. And that has to be something that a lot of people have to understand. He can't go out and push the prowler five days a week and expect to have a kick-ass squat session uh, the next day. Uh, you can't go out and run hills, uh, you know, four days a week and expect your legs to be fully recovered. So his condition has to be, if he really wants to get big and strong, has to be tailored and uh, adjusted for his goals. So, you know, it's something as easy as a, you know, a jog, if he can do it. Uh, walking would be, is obviously probably the most perfect thing, uh, riding a bike and stuff like that. Um, so does that make sense? I mean, I, Absolutely. I, I, would like, I would like to add that I certainly concur with yeah. the whole volume uh, component. And I, I would think, um, judging from what he's describing himself as, I would suggest that, I mean, I don't know if you guys would uh, disagree or not, but perhaps at least for a time at least, um, maybe – achieve that volume through, again, compound movements and probably like a lot of straight sets. I don't know if you guys agree that's with what, that. That's what the boring but big will do. See, what he needs okay. to do is to go in there uh, with, with that with the set five through one program, if this is what he's actually doing. I'm not sure. Um, and, and you'll do the sets, and then we have, we do five sets of ten at between 40 and 50% after that. And uh, with the volume stuff, too, is people have to understand you can't just jump right into a high-volume program. You're going to be devastated. 
you know, build it up over time. Build your capacity up over time. Give yourself eight, eight or 12 weeks to, to develop a tolerance to it. So, for example, he could do maybe two sets of 10 after his sets, and then uh, the next uh, cycle he does three sets of 10, four sets of 10, then five sets of 10. So take your time building up to that because in the long run it, it's going to serve you better. It's great that people, well, I see too many people train like this. I, I call it myopic training. They train basically for the workout, and they don't understand the consequences the day later, two days later, or a week later. It has to be looked at in the big picture. And as usual, I'd like to add, too, that I, I certainly listen to that um, the only, you know, push to pause or, Sorry, push to pause or um, failure on all the sets. You said what now? I would suggest that he push only to positive failure on his sets. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I'm not a big, I'm not a, listen, if, if I'm your spotting you and you can't get the goddamn weight up, I don't want to have to pull the bar off you. In fact, right. uh, people like that, you know, like if he's, if he's trying to like fill out in kind of a more solid way, he's, yeah. he, it, it's, it kind of promotes more of a stringy thing when people who, specifically for somebody who's not advanced, tries to start, you know, injecting all these type of more advanced training principles into the thing and forced reps and these types of things and negative failure and, you know, before you know it, they're just overtraining. They're stringing. It, they're, he's more of a, you know, more of a kind of a fat, skinny kind of guy, you know. And then right. a lot of people. And again, it's it's just the the thought towards encouraging, you know, strength, um, you know, and always being vital in your muscle, which is of course gonna gonna help you towards doing, I think, what he wants to do. The only other thing I'd add too is just remind him that yeah, he's calling himself skinny fat, but at just under six foot and one sixty five. One seventy four now. Yeah, well I mean he's still skinny. So I mean even if he just if he you know, took a couple year mission to add on, you know, get up to two hundred, two twenty five and make not even all of it, but the majority of it muscle, he's no longer gonna be skinny nor fat. So <laughs> I mean if he's down now, you know, he's just gonna be flat out skinny. But uh Right. Well, certainly. I mean, if the guy trains like like we're suggesting he train, I mean, even if his body weight doesn't, you know, yeah. rise that much, he's still obviously there's going to be a profound difference in just the composition of what makes up that 174, right? So, yeah. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on. I got a bunch more here. Um, Justin in Toronto, Jim, uh, how would you or would you incorporate dynamic effort movements into the program or the warm up set? Nope. 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 <laughs> there you go. Um, What's your take on HIT? I've got a professor who's an HIT nut that pisses me off. Anybody who doesn't want to squat doesn't deserve to live. Well, I think <laughs> the uh, the interesting thing about uh, high-intensity training is it's kind of got lumped into machine training when in, in reality it can be used with barbell training too. Um, so it, it, if it's totally – Saying it's bad is is not a good thing because in certain circumstances it can be an effective training program. If 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 someone has doesn't do anything in the weight room at all, like you know, your your mom or something, well, high intensity training is better than doing nothing. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I mean it is. And you know, let's say you are a strength coach at a small university and you've got 600 athletes or 400 athletes, and you have to get, you know, you got one guy on staff. What's the quickest way to get the kids through a program? Yeah. I mean, th there's a lot of considerations. I mean, you can't just say, you know, this program is shitty or, you know, this this idea is, is stupid. I mean, 
one of the, the guys I have some of the most utmost respect for and someone that has mentored me and has done a great job has been uh, Ken Leisner, you know, Dr. Ken. I mean, and uh, he's definitely had some great results with some people. And I, I can't say it doesn't work, um, but I think with a lot of the, the high-intensity trainers, just kind of got lumped into the, the, you know, just the machines and stuff like that, which I don't agree with. Um, but to me, it's... I'm not, I guess, I guess part of me is I'm kind of over all that stuff now. You know, if if you want to believe in what you believe in, that's cool, man. I mean, it's, we're not curing cancer here. Um, yeah. And I used to be very passionate about this stuff, but if that's how you want to train and if your guys get ready, then, then so be it. I mean, that's just the way it is. But, uh, you know, it kind of goes against my philosophy as far as, you know, using free uh, weight multi-joint exercises. But that doesn't mean you can't use free weight and multi-joint exercises in a hit capacity either. Yeah. So. Um, Louie S. in Columbus. Can I use Circumax phase with the 531? I need fans to get strong. <laughs> uh, there, there is a... There is a way to do that. Um, it, it's it's well beyond the scope of this interview, um, to tell you the truth. And I actually have it all written out. I actually had people do it before. Um, it's actually going to be. I actually wrote about it in a book that's coming out for five through one for powerlifting. Um, but it can be done. But I don't think that you really need fans uh, uh, to get strong. They certainly can help. But I know I'm, I'm assuming that someone's just busting my balls since it's Lou from Columbus. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you still planning on releasing the yoke manual? Yes, that's one of that's that's been a pet project of mine. Just so everyone knows, the yoke is nothing more than a what I would consider your neck and your upper back and traps area. Um, it's something I have long since I've been in high school. I've been obsessed with. Uh, so yes, without a doubt, it's more of a you know kind of a fuck around book, but it's going to have meaning. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be serious, but at the same time, I mean, you're building the neck and traps, man. It's, you know, yeah. not like it's, you know, I'm writing something on how to, you know, improve your athletic performance. So, when uh, when did you know it was time to stop competing in meets versus losing weight and going in a lighter, healthier weight class? Uh, when I knew, uh, as soon as I scored, well. I, like I said, I set my goal a long time ago to squat a thousand pounds, so I knew right away when I did it I was done. I mean, and the, 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 the good thing with powerlifting is it's infinite, and the bad thing about powerlifting is, it, is it's infinite, meaning that you know you've got to, you can always shoot for a higher weight, and sometimes people lose sight of that. And so I knew right away when I, in fact, when I came up with a thousand, I got the uh, the white lights. Uh, I knew right away I was done. So there you go. Basically, have a goal, reach it, and then go. Um, let's see, where the hell was I? What was the most inspirational thing you've seen or done in strength in terms of strength training? What's the what now? Most inspirational thing you have seen or done in terms of strength training. Inspirational? How about how about most impressive? Okay. Uh, I saw a kid at the University of Kentucky with absolutely the worst form ever and no knee bend, uh, power clean slash reverse curl close to 400 pounds. Uh, I saw a uh, player at the University of Arizona clean and press 411. 
Um, I've seen a guy ballistically bench press 225 with a close grip close to 50 times. Uh, Rob Fuzner uh, from Westside, Dave can tell you a million stories about how strong that guy was. It's ridiculous. I've uh, pulled like 780 cold, no warm-up at all. Uh, he do, he, he, there's a famous story about him. You know, he had to do five sets of two at some obnoxious weight, you know, with massive band tension, and Rob just banged out ten reps and left. Um, you know, he's like, fuck it, five sets of two, that's ten reps. I'm just going to do it all right now. Um, I've seen Chuck pull, you know, Chuck Vogelpohl pull over 1,200 pounds out of Iraq. Um, and I saw Steve Doggins squat in person, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with Steve Doggins, but uh, probably one of the most impressive insane displays of strength I've ever seen. In fact, you know, he squatted 1102 at 260 pounds, I think, in 2000 or 2001, which even today is impressive. And if you've ever seen Steve Doggins squat in person, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. The dude is one of the strongest people I've ever seen in my life. And, of course, uh, probably the, the most impressive pilot I've ever seen was uh, uh, Kucher. From, I think he's from the Ukraine, 165-pound dude, pulled close to 800. Uh, squat, I think, well over 800 in a suit that he put on himself. Uh, squats that he put on himself. So the guy was, I mean, unbelievably strong. Got a couple here from the ghost of the WPO in Columbus. Um, yep, I know who that what, is. <laughs> what is better for strength games, nachos or D-ball? <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, nachos sprinkled with D-ball? <laughs> <laughs> um, another one from him. Can you speak of the differences between five three one and block periodization, and why block periodization is awesome? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how that. I'm not going to answer that question. So I know exactly <laughs> what he's, he's actually emailing me right now and trying to call. So. Um, okay, you spent time training at Westside, and you and Dave used to write constantly about the Westside methods. Have you found any of the things you learned there helpful in relation to your 531 program and training of others? Uh, the biggest thing I, I learned, uh, and I learned this from Lou, and he learned it from uh, Mel Siff, was you have to train optimally, you don't have to train maximally. And that, that's, that sums up the 531 program quite a bit right there. It's probably the number one thing I took out of there. And that has stayed with me all the time. I'd probably add, wouldn't you say that's the biggest mistake that people take when they're, like, uh, trying to attempt the West Side template is just going too damn heavy all the time? Um, well, that's one of them. I mean, <laughs> you, you're actually, I mean, if you want all the mistakes that people make, I mean, that's probably one out of, like, 50. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, it's it's hard to even comment on that one. Here's a long one here. I'm going to try and get this. Um, uh, some guy, Thomas Malloy in the United Kingdom, thanking us for the show, the no BS approach. Um, I'll just say thank you for that. Um, I think people must be interested in most of the show brainwashing. Thank you. Okay, there's no real question there that I can get to. It's really long. Um, <laughs> Mr. Wendler, is Chuck Vogelpohl the greatest squatter ever? Uh, Ed Cohn is the greatest squatter ever. I'm not, there's no disrespect to Chuck Vogelpohl at all, but Ed Cohn is the fucking man. I mean, 
I don't know if you guys ever seen him squat or anything like that, but holy shit. Um, yeah. and then I saw Steve Doggins squat. Uh, Chuck is definitely in the top five, though. There's no doubt about it. The guy's an animal. In fact, I just saw him compete this week or last weekend. So I'll tell you what, he is, Christ, I think Chuck's maybe 42, 43, maybe even 44. And he's still got uh, more intensity and more balls than anyone I've ever seen left. So, um, let's see here. Eddie in New Providence, um, what will it take and will you ever get Dave to push the prowler? Ha! Well, he pushed it with me one time, and he laid in the back of his truck for about 40 minutes, and I think he did it maybe four four trips, you know, 440 or 430-yard sprints, and uh, completely gassed out. And uh, I think it's the last time I ever saw him push the prowler other than, like, for a photo shoot. Where he just leaned into it and said, you know, Jim, take the goddamn picture. <laughs> um, Jason in Georgia, I think it is. Uh, is the 531 for beginners still in the works? Yeah, in fact, that's going to be in the uh, – I just wrote a, a big portion of that for my programming book. Um, the interesting thing is we have a lot of beginners come into here uh, with very little experience. Uh, and we, I put them all in the program. And we make little modifications here and there, but it's amazing the progress that can be made. We have a girl working here right now, Rachel, um, who, you know, lifted on and off, you know, typical girl lifting stuff that you, know, you find in, you know, college gyms farting around. And uh, I think she, she did, I think, 220. She started off deadlifting maybe 185 or something. And I think in the past eight weeks or 12 weeks, she probably did 225 or six or something like that. Um, and again, it's 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 not rocket science what we're doing here. It's just real basic training. So, but yes, it'll be in there. But understand that the the principles for a beginner are going to be generally the same. Start slow, progress. No, start light, progress slow, stuff like that. It's just little things here and there. So. Well, we've, had a, we've had a, we've had a, I'm sorry, we've had a ton of high school athletes come through here, and just by sticking to the, the basics, like in the program, it has reaped a ton of results. You, even if, like, yeah, there are some modifications here and there, but if you, even if you stuck with the, the basics of it, you're still going to make great progress. I'm just going to add and kind of stress it. I mean, you now, you are lighter, and you're are you stronger across the board than you were when you were powerlifting. Uh, squat's a little hard to say since I don't wear equipment anymore, but I'd say yeah. it's, it's pretty close. The bench is probably 15 pounds off. Um, my overhead press is probably 50 pounds stronger, and my deadlift is probably 30 pounds stronger. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, and I'm, you know, I, I pulled the, what, 710 at, you know, I was 50 pounds lighter, and I pulled 10 pounds more, and that was after a workout. So, that, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would. I would say yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just kind of a wake everybody up and what you're talking about here. Uh, what would you change anything? You have a total beginner that's overweight, uh, 310 pounds, to the program or diet. Um. Obviously, you know, the diet's going to be up to him. You know, I can't be around him all the time. So he's going to have to be very uh, anal about his diet. Um, what I would probably have him do is, and I have to kind of see him would be, he's probably not doing anything now, I'm going to guess, yeah. as far as yeah. can work. And people can, you know, shit all over 
basic cardio all they want, but that kid just needs to do something. And so what I would have him do would be every night, you know, after he gets home, walk for, you know, X amount of minutes or a distance. I like distances better, to tell you the truth, than minutes. And uh, gradually increase that. So at least he's walking two miles a day, three miles a day, which doesn't, you know, like looking for the magic formula. Well, the, the point is the kid just needs to walk. He's 310 pounds. He doesn't need to be doing burpees and shit like that. That's, you know, his body probably can't handle. And that's, you know, or riding a bike or something. But he needs to do something other than the lifting. Yeah. Uh, and even with the volume approach, you know, oh, maybe he needs more volume. Well, his body probably can't handle the volume right now. So very low volume weight training until he, he builds up the capacity and just keep on walking and keep on riding the bike and stuff like that. Eventually, I like to see him do that stuff twice a day, the, the conditioning stuff, because I'm, you know, people say, oh, you know, it's like, it doesn't cardio, you know, you know, kill your weight training. It's like, dude, if you can't take a walk and then squat the next day, you got a fucking problem. Yeah. <laughs> and but for him, that's going to be very very difficult. So and yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not at all. Because I was there, man. When I when I had to lose the weight, that's what I did. I'd take my dog for you know a walk every night. Then it became a walk every morning and every night. And then we went on longer walks all the time. It made a huge difference. And people always want this magic formula. And I yeah. just say, well, the point was I didn't do anything not then. Now I'm doing something now, so I'm just happy I'm doing something. It's like yeah. watching The Biggest Loser. I mean, Jesus, just get on a fucking treadmill, dude. Yeah. And I call it the – if people would just – there's a band called Sleep one of the greatest bands ever, and they released this, uh, a CD called Jerusalem, or it's also known as Dope Smoker, believe it or not. Uh, it's one hour long. Just put that on your headphones and walk until the song is over, you know, for, for people who yeah. are really open. That's it. It's the Dope Smoker program. So, <laughs> Okay, we got a person there, Kyle Moore in Crawfordsville, Indiana. Um, got two questions for you. Been using the five three rep method for about a year now and it loves it. The only problem I've experienced is that I get worn down a lot of the time. I'll try I'll push make PR for a while and then stall, I'll back down ten percent, start over. Do you think just hitting the prescribed reps and then doing a back down set at sixty five to eighty percent, two or so reps short of failure would work good for me? What yes. can I do? Stall less. Okay, the the number one thing is especially for someone who doesn't have a lot of experiences, you've got to you know, we always say you always want to take something one rep before failure. Am I right? We all kind of we've all heard that before. Yeah, Charles. Okay. How do you know where that is if you don't go to failure? Yeah. So it's good that he actually understands this now. What I like to tell people too is I call it picking your battles. If you look at your monthly workouts for the five through one, I also have it on a Excel spreadsheet. I'm a, I'm a nerd like that. I will look at my workouts and say, you know, this week on this exercise, I'm going to push everything else. I'm just going to kind of just get the required reps. So he needs to learn how to pick his battles a little bit better. Um, and, I, you know, you don't have to max out on every set all the time. In fact, when I first started uh, just the, my own program many, many years ago with the 531, I only did the required reps. And the guys in the waiver would laugh at me because it was so insanely easy. Well, after three months, now I'm hitting PRs all the time. Yeah. I realized real quick, yeah, it's it's not a – and I'm not telling people to train stupid or train lazy, but sometimes you just got to kind of get in there and get the work done and leave. It's okay to f not feel like you, you just smash yourself in the, in the head with a hammer all the time when you walk out of the weight room. Yeah. So, you know, you, the way the 5 one program works is, you know, you 
you have you know four weeks, then four weeks, then four weeks, and it's, every set is built that once you complete that that training session or cycle, you're giving yourself approval to to make it to another four weeks. Okay, so even if you just get the required reps, even if it's easy, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. So my advice to him would be pick your battles. It's okay to do what he exactly said and you know, do that one down set and then uh, just be smart about it. I mean, when he feels that that run-down feeling, he knows he needs to back off. He needs to recognize it sooner. Gotcha. Uh, his other question is, who is or was the most brutal vocalist of any genre of metal, in your opinion? <laughs> Jesus. You're not going to include me on this one? <laughs> oh, my God, where do I start? Sorry, I'm a metalhead, too. I assume you are. Me, um, huge, huge. Yeah. What, what, are you, what are you talking about? Brutal. I don't even know how. To, like vocalize, or I mean, if you want to it's just talk vocalist. about yeah, most brutal vocalist. I mean, if you want to talk about stage antics, I mean, we can just put G.G. Allen right up there in the front of the list. Uh, Jesus Christ. If we're talking death metal, man, I'd say like Tomb of the Mutilated era, Chris Barnes. Yeah, the guy, the guy from Devourment is, is insane. Um, I think it's I like. Uh, I like I like um, the dude from uh, John Tardy from uh, Obituary. Yeah, he doesn't even write lyrics; he just says sounds. I think yeah. honestly, like my uh, the guy who I think is the most insane vocalist is probably uh, Attila from Mayhem. If you've ever heard uh, Mayhem, oh my god, ever yeah. seen Mayhem? The guy is uh, off of his rocker all the time. Uh, I mean, and I got to see them live. I got to see them with Maniac. Uh, who was up there was insane, and I got to see them with Attila last year, which was huge for me. That dude's got a stage presence and a just a demeanor, and his vocals on the, the their new album. This is his first one he's been with since uh, the debut when before uh, yeah. Euronymous died. Uh, I remember when I first heard Mayhem in uh, 1997. I think I heard it. Uh, I remember putting it in and hearing Attila sing. I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy's fucked up. Um, well, the Martin Popoff described his vocals on Demetrius Dumbsantanus as being, uh, sounding like uh, a ravenous lizard that you just had to kill. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's pretty close. I like Peter from Vader, too. Oh, the, the old Polish, but those guys have been around forever. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing is, is, you know, vocalists in a live setting can really make or break a, uh, you know, I saw Kevin Sharp from Brutal Truth play that dude was out of his mind, out of his mind playing. And uh, that was actually a really cool set to see. Rich, <clears throat> Rich Hope, the drummer, is so damn animated. It was uh, just amazing. So I've been lucky to see a lot of great bands over the years. So. Yeah, I'm sure you and I can go on about this, but maybe most of our <laughs> listeners don't care. <laughs> um, a little different question here. What was your most memorable uh, moment on the football field? The... Uh, it was in uh, 1998. Uh, that was the year I got my scholarship, and we were we actually ended up I think number two or number three in the nation uh, overall. And we had played uh, we were playing on Thursday night, you know the, the Thursday night football game. So it was on ESPN nationally televised, and I got my first carry ever, and I went for a touchdown. And I was playing San Diego State. My parents. Parents were there, so it was a pretty special time. My parents actually flew out to every single game I've ever played in uh, when I was in Arizona. And then, just to so give people some reference, my parents and I grew up in Illinois, 
So they logged a lot of miles of CMA play. <laughs> so by far, I mean, your first carry on national television goes for a touchdown, I mean, you can't get much better than that. So yeah. they almost flagged me for incessant celebration, too. But, you know, it wasn't like I was dancing either, trust me. <laughs> uh, let's do one more, and then we'll get to, to, to one last deal. Um, if one of you use knee wraps, would you use them only on the one-by-one on 531 week, allowing you to push for three-plus on a heavy weight with cleaner form or on all top sets? I would not use knee wraps. The way I would do this, and I'm going to address this in the manual, is do your regular workout as planned. Um, and let's say we'll take the five through one week, the third week. You know, do your, your set of five, your set of three, and your set of one, but only do the one rep. Don't don't push yourself. And then bump your weight up a little bit more, you know, maybe uh, five or 10% and put new reps on there to give yourself a test. Gotcha. And go from there. But I would not sacrifice the workout, the test, if that makes sense to you guys. Yeah. Because you want to keep you want to keep all the variables the same for all your rep records, uh, and that's just something I really really believe in. The less uh, when I see a lot of training programs, there's like it's like there's so much shit going on that if something goes wrong, you don't even know what the hell you know what part did it. Okay, it's like people who take a shitload of drugs, like oh man you know this this fucked me up or this fucked me up. It's like yeah you don't know dude because you're doing heroin coke and now you're you know doing meth. I mean, which one? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you, you don't really know. And uh, now again, those are actually good for you, really. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've got two more things. Number one, I was just to give you a bit you can use on Dave. You can tell him as of like five minutes ago, you you uh, you doubled the attendance he had on his webcast with us. <laughs> so, you know, I got twice the people here. Um, the last thing was we had about, you know, 10 people just ask if you could give a rundown of the products and maybe programs you got coming out. Uh, right now we got, it should be out in the next two weeks. Uh, me and uh, the angry coach have a 5 through one for football. Uh, he's been a, a coach for a, a top-tier football team in New Jersey for a number of years, and uh, he's done their strength training. He's kind of combined the 5 through one with a lot of different drills and speed and conditioning stuff, and we worked uh, conjointly with this for about a year now. Uh, we have the 5 through one for powerlifting coming out. We actually I have a programming book coming out, which we kind of touched on a little bit, meaning that it's important to have, you know, if, if your goal is strength, your goal is mass, if your goal is conditioning, if your goal is just being a fucking badass, stuff like that, you can do the same weight training program but adjust the variables within that program. Uh, to suit your goals, and I think that's something that people are really losing out on. They're trying to do too much of everything all at once. And I always call it, you can't serve two masters. You know, you, Charlie, I mean, anyone has seen this, you know, I want to be 8% body fat but squat 1,000 pounds. Well, you yeah. can't talk yeah. about it. You know, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So it's just about, it's a reasonable approach and a, a well-thought-out approach about programming. And then, of course, the yoke book's coming out, too. So yeah. those are the big things I got going on for this year. As well as uh, working for you, Dave, if you're listening, <laughs> which I hope he's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that sounds good, Jim. I just want to kind of thank you for the day. We had a lot of people on, and uh, people can come back and listen to it afterwards. So, <clears throat> and I just, just for just so you guys know and uh, everyone listening knows, uh, I really, really appreciate uh, being able to do this job. I'm humbled anytime anyone asks me to speak or do this. I do not take this shit for granted one bit. Uh, I always 
feel like I'm, you know, two months from being totally irrelevant, and I, I understand how lucky I am to do this, and I want everyone to understand that, too. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Good stuff. We appreciate you as well, and uh, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. 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 The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org. The system is a diet or exercise program. It's important to check with your system. Also, should be helpful for dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists. 